Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR82, and this is your host, Joe Blair. Today, we're getting ready to talk Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, The Raiders are a team that some would say overachieved a little bit last year. Very inconsistent team. Uh, able to snag that final playoff spot in the AFC in the last regular season game of the 2021 season. That uh, battle with the Chargers, what a game. Absolutely crazy ride. Crazy ride for this team throughout the entire year. Um, If you remember, the whole John Gruden thing, that just happened this past year. I mean, there's so many... uh, massive storylines and such a whirlwind of action in the NFL this offseason. Let's just, I mean, this Raiders team, the whole email scandal with John Gruden being fired, that happened halfway through this season. Um, Interim head coach Rich Bisaccia taking over and and somehow rallying this team to a playoff appearance. Um, Pretty fun season for the Raiders last year. They had a hell of an offseason. So we'll get into all of it. Um, but yeah, last year, this Raiders team going 10-7, and finishing second in the AFC West, actually grabbing the fifth seed in the AFC, although they were the last team to clinch their playoff spot. Kind of just a funky thing over there with the playoff seeding, the tiebreakers and whatnot. But um, ended up losing to the Cincinnati Bengals in the wildcard round 26-19, to a game that went down to the wire, came down to the final possession really there for the Raiders. Um, I was not a big fan of how it was officiated down the final stretch there. I talked about that on our Bengals episode. This league is rigged and the whole thing is fucked. Anyways, this is a Raiders team that, uh, you know, like I said, able to make the playoffs last year. Stats pretty mediocre, but this team showed a lot of grit. Um, I think they actually, and I don't remember the exact statistic, but they're maybe like the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs with a negative uh, point differential. Basically what I'm saying, this is the rare occasion where this team was outscored by their opponents over the course of the season, but they still managed to win 10 games. Not really sure how, to be honest. Um, they covered eight games last season, eight and nine against the spread, 47%. Uh, the offense was 18th in points per game, 22. 11th in yards per game, 363.8. Defense, 26th in points per game, 25.8. So again, giving up almost four points per game more than they scored. 14th in yards per game, 303 excuse me, 337.2 yards per game allowed. And the turnover margin, negative nine on the season, 27th in the NFL. They forced the fourth fewest turnovers in the NFL. And yet again, 10 and seven, uh, pretty wild story for this team. They started the season three and oh, you know, a lot of great games and a lot of them happening in prime time for this Raiders team last year. That opening uh, Monday night kickoff game against the Ravens, 33-27 win in overtime. That was awesome. Again, 3-0 to start the season with wins over the Ravens, Steelers, and Dolphins. We're, we're thinking, holy shit, this Raiders team might be legit. Uh, then they go on a 3-7 and run throughout the rest of the middle of the season. They're 6-7 and with four weeks remaining, and then they have to go 4-0 and to sneak into the playoffs. So again, very inconsistent. They also had some losses that they probably could have easily avoided they they lost to some teams that they shouldn't have they beat some teams that they shouldn't have they kind of played up and down to their level of competition all year with losses to the bears giants and commanders last season or should we say the football team anyways um 
a lot of turnover this offseason, a lot of action, very busy team, shotgun approach and free agency, a lot of names, and a massive shift, obviously, the coaching staff. I mentioned the John Gruden drama. Um, again, it's crazy that that was just last year because it feels like so long ago, but uh, Rich Bisaccia did a good job with this team. Unfortunately for him, the front office did not choose to keep him in as head coach. He, I believe, is back to his uh, duties as special teams coordinator, uh, this time with the Green Bay Packers right now. Anyways, the new head coach for this team in 2022 is Josh McDaniels, obviously known best for his uh, two decades spent on the uh, offensive coaching staff in New England. Um, he was an offensive assistant from 01 to 05, offensive coordinator from 06 to 08. Then he got a head coaching opportunity in Denver from 2009 to 2010, was fired with four games left in the 2010 season after going 11 and 17 in Denver. Um, so a weird time in there, the whole Tebow situation. Then he went to St. Louis for a year before going back to New England, offensive coordinator for the last 10 seasons in New England. Um, it's, it's funny. I also can't do the history on Josh McDaniels without mentioning he was hired for about a day in 2018 to be the uh, Colts head coach and then decided, no, I'll go back to New England. I don't want to do that. And that's how Frank Reich got the job. So a little fun fact there, Josh McDaniels, ultimate snake move in Indianapolis, but he ends up with another coaching opportunity here in Las Vegas. Going to try and bring over that Patriot way, I guess, as another descendant of the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Um, offensive coordinator, although obviously McDaniels will be in charge of most of that, is uh, Mick Lombardi. Um, he was in San Francisco as an offensive assistant for three years until 2016. Went to the Jets for a year, then went over to New England. Uh, he was an offensive assistant coach and wide receivers coach for the Patriots for the last four seasons with Josh McDaniels there as the OC, obviously. Defensive coordinator for this team, Patrick Graham, college football coach for seven years until 2009. Uh, then he was with the Patriots um, from 2010 to 2015. He was with the Giants for two years until 2017, Green Bay in 2018. Then he was the Dolphins defensive coordinator in 2019. Uh, last two years, Giants defensive coordinator and assistant head coach. Uh, before getting the Miami defensive coordinator job in 2019, all of those uh, uh, roles from 2010 to 2018 were as a defensive assistant linebackers coach and defensive line coach. So yeah, he'll most likely be running a, a 3-4 scheme, I would think. Eh, no, maybe not. Probably 4-3, if I had to guess, actually, considering Miami in 2019 and and New England and, or excuse me, the Giants the past two years. New England runs a 3-4, which was the assumption there, but looking like a 4-3 scheme most likely. And if you consider the personnel, yeah, it makes sense. Probably a 4-3 scheme. I mean, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, although Chandler owns technically, I guess, in Arizona, played in a 3-4. He's really a pass rusher. He's not supposed to be out in coverage. So, yeah, let's call it a 4-3 here. And let's move on. Uh, free agency, a lot of names. We're going to try not to get bogged down. You guys can tell I'm trying to keep the pace up with these episodes. I'm actually recording this Saturday. I just got done recording my Chiefs episode this morning. We're doubling down today, and it's a lot of talking for me. So, you know, how we doing? Keep it moving. Defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe. 
was traded away from this team straight up for cornerback Rocky Sin to the Indianapolis Colts. So Yannick Ngakwe not in the building anymore on the defensive line. Quarterback Marcus Mariota was the backup for this team. He is now penciled in as the starter for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, maybe a team to keep your eye on for Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe. Like, it's just the, the landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo are, are really dwindling here. And uh, as, as the days go by, it's looking more and more like a potential release from San Francisco rather than a trade opportunity for that team. So I'm just saying, I'm just rambling like I do here. There, it's called the ramble for a reason. Uh, cornerback um, Cam Hayward, excuse me, Casey Hayward, my bad guys, uh, he left this roster going to Atlanta as well. Um, more free agency losses, and let's go through these quicker. Defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, fullback Alec Ingold. Interesting that this team no longer carrying a fullback, um, looking like uh, maybe a little bit of an opened up, maybe spread offense approach, kind of that West Coast short passing game stuff that we saw in New England. Um, cornerback Brandon Faison, uh, Fackison actually, my bad. Um, outside linebacker Nicholas Moreau, defensive end Solomon Thomas, wide receiver Zay Jones, wide receiver Marquise Lee, cornerback Keeson Nixon, and linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski to wrap up the, uh, the personnel losses there. Kwiatkowski, quite a monster at West Virginia during my time as a student there. Um, underrated player in his time in Chicago. He's kind of bouncing around rosters right now, but he's a guy I root for. Uh, and I think a guy that is underrated in, at the pro level, in my opinion. Uh, anyways, you know, key additions. We talked about Devontae Adams coming over to this team. I mean, holy shit, who saw that coming? Um, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, obviously teammates together in college at Fresno State. Basically best friends. You know, they train every summer with each other. I'm not worried about chemistry issues. I'm not worried about a, a production drop-off with Devontae Adams here, and all it does is make this offense more explosive, makes him more difficult to defend, and increases Derek Carr's value for me in terms of real-life quarterback play as well as fantasy value. So Devontae Adams comes over. The trade details are a 2022 first and second round pick to Green Bay for the star wide receiver. Devontae Adams also gets a five-year, $141 million extension with the Las Vegas Raiders. At the time, making him the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history, highest-paid receiver in NFL history. Then Tyreek Hill went and got his money. Um, it's funny how every contract has to be a record-breaker nowadays, right? Which, don't even get me started how sick I am of that whole trend. But these guys are literally having their contracts built out where it's like, okay, you just got to give me like 0.1 mil more than this guy so I can say I have the record. It's really petty. It's really ridiculous. But that's how it's going these days. Like literally Kyler Murray got 230.1 million dollars because he wanted that 0.1 more than Deshaun Watson or something like that. Maybe it's the annual salary, but guys, cut the shit. Jesus Christ. Anyways, Devontae Adams, big addition for this team. Other massive addition, I mentioned his name already, Chandler Jones, the superstar pass rusher who's been on the Patriots and Cardinals throughout his career. Um, guy's the all-time sack leader for the Arizona Cardinals, if you didn't realize that. 
and just a, a really great uh, edge rusher to put on the opposite side of Max Crosby there and get them those two kind of bookend pass rushers. The team is clearly built on the passing offense and the pass rushing uh, as far as the philosophies on both sides of the ball. And then a bunch of names here. Let's rattle them off again because I told you guys the Raiders were active this offseason. These are all the guys that they have brought in into the building. Defensive end, Belil Nichols. Um, running back Brandon Bolden came over from New England. I thought it was interesting. They paid him a little bit more than I expected him because, again, it's it's uh, McDaniels bringing over guys. So that's something to be concerned about with Josh Jacobs and the running back room. Uh, Bolden could be an annoying guy to vulture touches just like he did in New England. Other additions, wide receiver Mac Hollins, I mentioned on the Dolphins episode, partied with him at WVU. What's up, Mac? Um, he could potentially see a uh, expanded role here on his third NFL franchise, original draft pick and Super Bowl champion by the Eagles in 2017. Mac Hollins now technically fourth receiver on the depth chart with an opportunity to pass Keelan Cole for that third pass catching role. I don't know if this is a team that's going to be doing too many wide receiver, uh, three wide receiver sets. Excuse me. I think obviously Darren Waller is kind of that third or second really receiver on this team. It's going to be Adams, Waller, and Renfro is the big three. But there's opportunity for a third guy on any team really to get there in the mix. And if injury happens, who knows? It's a very vague situation at that uh, third receiver position on this depth chart. And I'll go into it more during the fantasy segment. Okay, more additions. Offensive guard Alex Bars. Fullback Jacob Johnson. I guess they do have a fullback. They just got a different one. I think he came over from New England as well. So, interesting. Um, Ingold's gone, but they did bring back another fullback. Uh, cornerback Darius Phillips. Linebacker Kyler Fackrell. Wide receiver Keelan Cole. Defensive tackle Victor Butler. Uh, Vernon Butler, my bad. Uh, safety, Duran Harmon. Uh, linebacker, Kenny Young. Wide receiver, Demarcus Robinson. And tight end, Jacob Haas, Hollister, excuse me, will wrap out uh, the free agent additions. Again, I mentioned they traded away Yannick Ngakwe and got back Rakia Sin. So Rakia Sin right now actually on that depth chart as the number one corner on this team. And, you know, Let's just address it real quick. I have concerns in the secondary and on the defensive side of the ball in general for this Raiders team. I wanted to come in here high on the Raiders. I, hopefully you guys caught my Chiefs breakdown. And I mentioned this division is so ridiculously stacked. And, you know, the Raiders are projected to have the lowest win total and the worst odds to make the playoffs. And I still see their roster as one that's really capable of doing some damage. But actually, since doing this preview, diving in a little bit deeper on the depth chart and some of the question marks, maybe playing a little bit more devil's advocate as opposed to just buying in of the, the, the whole flash and glamour of Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Because that's really the head. I mean, new head coach, superstar receiver, superstar pass rusher, like those are the headlines for this team. But we got to consider, again, I mentioned a lot of the metrics where realistically they overachieved last year based on having middle-of-the-pack statistics, a bottom-five turnover margin, a bottom-four turnover forced rate, um, the you know an outlier of a team that got outscored throughout the regular season and still managed to make the playoffs. It just doesn't really repeat itself over time. It's not sustainable. 
And again, you know, offensive line and defense really give me pause to go all in on this Raiders team. I find myself having more questions after doing this deep dive on the roster than I initially did. I'm unfortunately losing confidence in this Raiders team, whereas when they went and made the move for Devontae Adams, it was kind of a holy fuck, this team is loaded moment. They're good. Uh, uh, Yeah, I can't really jump all in on the Raiders, though. I have to pump the brakes a little bit. So um, let's talk draft. I mentioned they traded away their first and second round pick for Devontae Adams. So that's basically the draft recap. They got some names here. You know, let's let's talk about it. Really more um, investment in the trenches on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And they took a running back as well, who I'll, I'll talk about very quickly. Round three offensive guard Dylan Parham out of Memphis. Round four running back Zamir White out of University of Georgia. Round four defensive tackle Neil Farrell out of LSU. And round five offensive tackle Matthew Butler out of Tennessee. Um, The running back, Zamir White, looked good in the preseason game the other day. Um, Hall of Fame game, Raiders with a 27-11 win and cover. I actually did lay the points, Raiders minus two and a half. I'll try and post uh, more of those preseason bets when I take them on my Instagram account, but it was kind of a last minute, uh, fuck it, whatever type thing. Um, so anyways, Zamir got some playing time in that Hall of Fame game. He looked okay. Uh, running back by committee possibly here, like Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, and Kenyon Drake all there, as well as Brandon Bolin, who just got brought over. Um I'll be surprised if a guy like Amir Abdullah makes the roster, honestly. I think Bolden's safe. Kenyon Drake is on the bubble at this point, too. Zamir White, technically the second guy on the depth chart right now behind Jacobs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's about all I'll say about that. <clears throat> when you don't have a first or a second round draft pick, I mean, not much really to discuss there. Um, so let's get into the breakdown. And I just kind of alluded to it. I wanted to come in um, really high on this team, but... You know, the, this is a team in a division with the Chiefs, who are the Chiefs. We know what they've been. Six straight AFC West championships. The Chargers are a team that went all the fucking way in this offseason. Third year, young, potential superstar, league MVP candidate type guy in Justin Herbert. I trust the coaching staff in LA more than I trust this coaching staff personally. I'm a big Brandon Staley fan over there. And then the Broncos, I mean, the Broncos are a team that's that all the discussion about the Broncos is that they've been a quarterback away for like the last two or three years. And now they got Russell fucking Wilson. So I'm sorry, but this division is going to be brutal. And it, and with the Vegas books projecting this team to finish last in the division with all the odds and indications that they have out there, the way that the juice is shaded here on some of these futures, their win total is only eight when this team won 10 last year and got better technically on paper this offseason, I think more often than not, Vegas knows something when they're able to put these lines out there that maybe seem too good to be true or seem a little fishy. You know, that's really part of the whole gambling thing here for those of you who are actually going to be, you know, diving into this, throwing some financial investments. You know, I really don't know what percentage of you are fantasy players or just fans or you know my grandma just listening to support my podcasting career or if you guys are actually throwing down every Sunday on some spreads and on some futures but um 
the, the part of it is just looking at that reverse psychology angle and saying, are they trying to trick me into taking this? Eight wins seems low, but when you look at the schedule, it is brutal. I talked about the division. I've talked in general on our Chiefs episode about how stacked the entire AFC conference is, and it's not going to be easy to even win nine games in the AFC this year. So unfortunately, I'm not sure if I can go one way or another on the win total. Over eight is minus 155, which is a no-go for me considering all that juice on an uphill battle with a tough schedule. The unders plus 130, and I I think the roster is good enough to win eight games, but you know I'm not going to go either way on that, obviously. Let's talk about the schedule, and you'll figure out why. They open uh, Monday night with the Chargers. It's Monday night football in L.A. I have already taken the Chargers to win that game. I actually have a parlay placed, put it in today. Um, I've got the Ravens preseason week one money line along with the Bills to beat the Rams week one in the opening kickoff and the Chargers to beat the Raiders on the Monday night opener. So we have bets on week one already here as of uh, August 6th. Um, So I am in it. I am already. It's football season for me, guys. It may not be football season for you yet. It is football season for me here at the Sports Gamble Ramble. Um, Okay, so week one, that's a loss to the Chargers, okay? The Chargers are minus four. They're minus 200 on the money line. Love it. Give me me LA. That's 0-1 for the Raiders. Okay, Cardinals, Titans, Broncos, Chiefs, Texans. Those first five weeks, tough. Then they get the Texans. Then the Saints, Jags. Then it's back to a murderer's row of the Colts, Broncos. Eh, Seahawks sneak in there. And then Chargers, Rams, Patriots, Steelers, 49ers, Chiefs. God damn. So again, the division is brutal. And then the out-of-division games against the fucking 49ers, Rams, um, Colts, Steelers, Patriots, Cardinals, Titans. Not all of those teams are going to be world beaters, but you get what I'm saying. There's some quality teams there. Really the only easy wins, if you want to call them that. I mean, Seahawks, Jags, Texans. Uh, the Steelers could be struggling, and then really you get to the middle of the packs, the Saints and the Patriots, and it's just like, yeah, not a lot of easy wins. If I had to go one way or another, I might lean under eight wins. It sounds crazy to me. Also, I just want to say this. I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I think Derek Carr has been underrated throughout his entire career, and that's part of the reason that I was initially trying to be really high on this Raiders team. I think that they've put a lot of pieces in play. I think that the offense is going to be incredibly difficult to defend if you have the combination of Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. Who do you cover on third down? Renfro's a nasty route runner. Like, nasty. I could watch that guy run routes all day. He he looks like he should be fucking stocking shelves at your local Wegmans, but the guy can move. The guy can shake dudes. Um, had a really good breakout season last year. We'll get into the statistics in a minute here in the fantasy breakdown, but I have... I, I am torn on this team because a lot of the indicators in the gambling market say to not be as high as I kind of want to on this team. But again, like the, I see those pass catching targets. That is a trio of pass catching weapons that not, not only are they all great at what they do, but they all kind of complement each other. You know, Waller can take up that middle of the field and get those matchups on the linebackers and safeties. Adams can do anything you fucking want. He's maybe the best overall receiver in the league. And Renfro, such a crafty little shit in the slot there. 
a third down absolute monster and mismatch. Uh, so again, there's a lot to be optimistic about here on this team, but the schedule and the odds for their futures have me uninterested in most of this. Uh, over under eight and a, excuse me, over under eight wins over minus 155 under plus 130. Divisional odds, they're plus 700 to win their division after winning 10 games last year. That shows you what a wild offseason it's been in the AFC West. And again, how much more improved the Chargers and Broncos are both expected to be this year. Conference odds for the Raiders to be AFC champs, 25 to 1. Super Bowl odds, 40 to 1. And I'm sorry, but they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not. It sucks. It sucks because I want, again, guys, I wanted to be high on this team. Odds to make the playoffs, yes, plus 200, no, minus 200. Vegas knows, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend like I'm smarter than Vegas. You see the difficult schedule. They have the 25th ranked offensive line in the NFL, according to Warren Sharp. I mentioned at the top of the show how many overwhelming red flags there are for statistical regression for a team that finished middle of the pack to below average in almost category and still managed to make the playoffs last year. I know that, you know, Adams coming in is a game changer, but I'm not sure that it equates to more, uh, more team wins. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not totally out on Josh McDaniels. I'm not totally in either. His time in Denver, there's questions if he was ready to be the head coach. I actually heard a story that, you know, who knows how, how true this is, but I heard that essentially Belichick would give his, he gives his assistants like all the answers for the interview. You know, it's like, he's going to ask you this. This is how you answer this. And they go in, they ace the interview, and then they have no fucking clue how to actually coach the team once they get there. It's possible that that was the deal with McDaniels. He just went and blew the pants off the owners in Denver in the interview process and then really couldn't follow it up. It's also possible he just got stuck with Tim Tebow and couldn't figure that whole shit show out. But what I'm saying is, Maybe McDaniels wasn't ready to be a head coach. Maybe he needed that extra decade or so to really come into himself as a potential leader of men and really understand what kind of program he wants to run. You know, there's potentially he could be an awesome, awesome coach, but realistically looking at that division, I mean, Andy Reid and Brandon Stanley, both like I would put well above McDaniels on the whole coaching spectrum the Broncos are a massive question mark because, again, super loaded team and Russell Wilson could really put them over the top. They also have a first-year head coach with Nathaniel Hackett over there. So that's interesting, but this is, you know, at best, Josh McDaniels is the third best coach in this division. So unfortunately for the Raiders, I don't see them making the playoffs again this year. And it's, it's really, I'm surprised to be saying it myself at this point in August, but that's just where I have to land here. Offensive line does not look good to me at all. So let's talk about fantasy, right? Let's talk about the skill players. Let's talk about some statistics. And there's not that many players that I'm really going to spend time on here. This seems to be an offense where we know who the relevant pieces are. I've only got five names to really dive into here. We have a shit ton in the honorable mentions, but the main five guys here, I mean, you guys know who I'm going to say. There's not going to be any surprises. Derek Carr's the quarterback. Josh Jacobs is the running back. You've got De Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro at receiver, and then Darren Waller at tight end. 
Um, the honorable mentions for this team is a massive list of guys that have kind of bounced around rosters and maybe make the team, maybe become the lead guy for the team, maybe get cut this week. We don't know. But at running back outside of Josh Jacobs, if they want to go with a committee approach, Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, and Kenyon Drake, as well as Brandon Bolden, who I continue to forget, they're all on the team right now at running back. Wide receiver, I mentioned, there's some competition, some murkiness in the waters at that third receiver role on this team. Right now, Keelan Cole is the third receiver. Right behind him on the depth chart are Mac Hollins, um, who was a fourth-round pick out of UNC in 2017. Wide receiver Demarcus Robinson came over from the Kansas City Chiefs. Wide receiver Tyron Johnson is a guy that I did not look up his background, but I saw him making some plays in the Hall of Fame game. He looked like a dog. He looked like a guy that was uh, out there with some energy, you know, making some nice catches and talking a little bit of shit too, which I like. I like that in a guy, a little bit of confidence. Uh, tight end Foster Moreau is the last honorable mention here. He likes to steal Dale, Darren Waller's touchdowns. So kind of an annoying dipshit, but Foster Moreau, not a bad football player, honestly. Um, Okay, Derek Carr, I think, has a chance to be pretty decent for fantasy this year based on the pass-catching weapons that I have talked about throughout this episode. That said, I'm not really comfortable with him as my like starter for my fantasy team. I think he's a guy maybe if maybe if you got if you take like a, a late shot on a guy like Trey Lance who you think can break out, but you want like a safer veteran option to grab super late at no draft cost, sure, Derek Carr. I think he's a very good quarterback in super flexes or two quarterback leagues. Um, difficult schedule, twenty eighth uh, schedule for fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. He's being drafted 108 overall this year, QB 15. So he shot up quite a bit in ADP, going 190 overall last year as the QB 23. Uh, most of that is because he finished quarterback 13 on the year last year. Had a pretty good year. I mean, if we look at Carr's stats last year, um, I'm 90% sure it was the most passing yards he's ever had in this season. 4,800 passing yards. Um, <clears throat> he only scored, excuse me, he only uh, threw 23 touchdowns. Very low uh, touchdown rate considering the amount of passing volume in this offense. It was uh, kind of annoying for me. You know, I could have hit some massive player prop parlays if I could have just gotten, you know, a two-touchdown game from Derek Carr every now and then. But he'd, he would throw for like 320 yards and only have one touchdown somehow. It was just kind of like one of those years. It's Well, maybe not one of those years because Derek Carr really has never been a, a high-passing touchdown guy. Um, that said, I mean, you would think with Devonte Adams there, I think his touchdown numbers go up a little bit this year, which is why I'm, I'm not too worried about the increased, uh, average draft position. So again, finished, uh, QB 13 last year while only throwing, sorry guys, 23 touchdowns. Um, so there's potential for that to go up. <clears throat> Uh, played 17 games last year, QB 18 in points per game. Never finished a top six quarterback on the week. That's what I'm talking about. You only throw one touchdown. You're not going to get the elite performances. Uh, he was a top 12 uh, quarterback 35.3% of the time. And outside of that, you know, he's not giving you a top 12 finish like 65% of the time. Again, I think that could go up, but um, it's like... 
not great, <laughs> right? It's not great. It's a high bust rate. Again, it's mostly because of touchdowns. So if he gets more touchdowns this year, I, you know, I think he's, you know, a decent value in fantasy, but he's not a guy I'm like gun ho on my every week starter, if that makes sense. Again, um, he played college football with Devontae Adams. So I think that there's going to be an immediate connection there. And we'll go back to him in a minute, but let's get Josh Jacobs out of the way. The running back going off the board 41 overall this year, running back 20 after being drafted running back 16 last year, 28th overall. So he's dropped quite a bit. Um, Although last year, see, I don't remember this shaking out this way. Did you guys know that Josh Jacobs finished uh, running back 12 in fantasy PPR leagues last year? Because I don't remember that at all. Quietly, a top 12 season, played 15 games, finished 14th in points per game. So again, I don't remember Josh Jacobs being that good for fantasy or that consistent last year, but it turns out pretty solid. Top 12 finished 26.7% of his games, 23rd most frequent top 12 finish. But listen to this. He gave you running back two production, running back 13 through 24 on the week. At the second highest rate in the NFL, 53% of his games, he was an RB2. And the only guy with a higher rate was Chris Carson, uh, who finished three out of his four games as an RB2. But he only played four games. So again, Kind of throw that out the window. This guy was the most consistent RB2 in fantasy football. He also finished with the third highest top 24 rate because of that. He finished in the top 24 in 80% of his games last year. Third most frequent top 24 running back in the league last year and only busted outside of the top 36 once on the whole season. I don't remember him being that consistent, but holy shit. If you take into account those factors... And that Josh Jacobs is going into a contract year this year. It's the last year of his rookie deal. I kind of like him at that discount. Now, it's it feels kind of gross to take him. And there are question marks because I've mentioned this could be a running back by committee. There are a lot of names there. There's four guys that are competent behind him on the depth chart. And I'll say this was weird. Um, Josh McDaniels had, uh, what's his name, Josh Jacobs running with the, with the first team in the preseason game for like the entire first quarter in the Hall of Fame game. I'm not sure why he's getting so many carries. I guess there's potential that this coaching staff is not in love with Josh Jacobs, so they're kind of making him like really earn that spot. But he is clearly the most talented running back on this team. He looked good in the Hall of Fame game, although, you know, some backups on the field there um he is he's got burst he's not a bad player and he's being drafted as the rb20 after finishing rb12 last year i just don't really see the reason why his adp's fallen that much so i think i will take a discount um if we go and look at like some of the running backs being drafted around josh jacobs this year um it's guys like david montgomery James Conner, Antonio Gibson, Brees Hall, Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne. Like, I'll take Josh Jacobs over almost all those guys. I'll t- I will take Jacobs over Montgomery, Gibson, Brees Hall, Elijah Mitchell. Etienne's interesting. James Conner, I think I like his touchdown more. But th- I'm just saying, in terms of his ADP, you, it, there's not many starting running backs you can get in the fourth round that I think... I think he can return on that value again, RB12 last year, and a consistent top 24 guy at 80% of the time. 
and you're drafting him basically at RB20. It seems fair. So I think I'm in on Jacobs, as gross as it seems this year. And let's talk receivers. I did a, I did a little bit of research for this one, guys. I'm actually kind of proud of myself because really the question is, you know, okay, so De- Devontae Adams is here. He's coming over from Green Bay. It's a change of scenery. It's a change of situation. And how is that going to impact Hunter Renfro? Because Hunter Renfro had an outstanding year last year. Hunter Renfro finished the wide receiver 10 in PPR leagues last year, which is incredible as a guy that wasn't being drafted last year for fantasy. Hunter Renfro last year, 17 games played, 103 catches on 128 targets, 1,038 yards, and nine touchdowns fantastic but can he do that with Devontae Adams there this year and you know Darren Waller only played 11 games last year is that going to chip into it that I see being more of an issue than Devontae Adams I went and looked last year at the receiving totals of essentially the wide receiver two role on this Raiders team because the question is can we support two wide receivers for relevancy on this offense and I think so. Um, there were basically four guys uh, throughout the season kind of taking turns as the wide receiver for, uh, two for this team. Hunter Renfro, obviously the leader. Uh, those guys were Brian Edwards, Zay Jones, Henry Ruggs, and Deshaun Jackson. Henry Ruggs, wow. Um, forgot about that too, the whole DUI thing. Only played seven games for this team last year. Just add into the chaos of... Uh, the whole deal, right? But anyways, those four receivers, I went and looked up their stats from last year, their target share, their receptions, their yardage, their touchdowns, and I found that the wide receiver two role for the Raiders last season was worth 117 receptions on 185 targets, 1,819 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns. Devontae Adams' stats last year in 2021, 123 receptions, 169 targets, 14 less targets, 1,553 yards. Obviously, not everybody can get to 1,800 in a season. The guy had 11 touchdowns. So those numbers, pretty close in the grand scheme of things. So you're going to tell me that you know there's no opportunity for Adams and Renfro to both eat in this offense. I'm just not going to believe it. Again, I mentioned Darren Waller only played 11 games last year, so he will see an increase in targets. I think that it still provides plenty of work for Renfro and uh, Adams here. If you remember, I said that there was a discrepancy of about 300 yards between Adams' 2021 stats and the wide receiver two for Las Vegas. Let's just say that those yards go over to Darren Waller with an extra 33% of his season being played. Everybody still balls, right? (laughs) Like that gets Waller, if you add 300 to his 665 last season, he's flirting with 1,000. Adams is at 1,500, and Renfro's at 1,000 still. I'm cool with it. Are you guys cool with that? I think it works out. Again, I think Adams brings a much higher touchdown upside to this offense for Derek Carr. It'll be interesting to see how they call plays at the goal line. If they just want to give them all to Jacobs, then obviously that doesn't happen for Carr. 
but an unbelievable deep threat and red zone target here. Devontae Adams being drafted 11th overall as the wide receiver for this year. I'm perfectly fine with it. I've mentioned, you know, people people are considering this a downgrade of situation for Devontae Adams because he was coming from Aaron Rodgers, like a, a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. I get it. And they had an incredible chemistry and connection, and there wasn't a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. There's not really a lot of mouths to feed either. It's going to be this dynamic four skill players here at its core. And Adams, again, the chemistry is built in with Derek Carr. Like, they'll be fine, and Adams can still have 110 catches, 1,500 yards, and 10 touchdowns in this offense. It's, like, very, very doable for Devontae Adams. Uh, he was being drafted eighth overall as the wide receiver one last year. Again, you're getting him at wide receiver four this year. He finished wide receiver two last year. I'll take it. He's super safe still. He's probably safer than Jamar Chase realistically because Jamar Chase has T. Higgins there taking up a target share. And that offense plays at a much slower pace of play where Devontae Adams is Devontae fucking Adams. He played 16 games last year, wide receiver two in points per game. He finished in the top 12, 43.8% of the time, fourth best. Uh, finished in the top 24, 68% of the time, fourth best. Wide receiver two finished 25% of his games, ninth most frequent. Uh, busted outside of the top 36, 25% of his times, which is not really what you want to see, but <clears throat> I'm not too worried about it. This guy's going to win you multiple weeks throughout the season, so you can afford a little bit of a bust right there. And Hunter Renfro uh, being drafted in the 8th or ninth round this year, I'm cool with that too. Because again, people expect a, a fucking a bunch of statistical regression for this guy, where I think, if anything, his role is even more safe this year. He really wasn't dominating in terms of uh, target share until that second half of the season when I said, yeah, again, Henry Ruggs arrested for DUI in Week 7, Deshaun Jackson requesting a release from the team halfway through the season. Now it's, now it's Renfro's role. But he didn't really even have a full season of dominant snap count and uh, target share, and he still was able to go for over 100 receptions as the wide receiver 10. You're getting him in the ninth round this year? Yeah, go ahead, do it. I'm in. I, I think the guy's a real talent. I think he has an incredible ability to separate against man coverage with his route running, and he's a smart football player who can find the holes in his zone scheme. So... Uh, he was being undrafted last year and finished wide receiver 10, played a full season, 18th in points per game. I will say difficult schedules across the board for the Raiders for fantasy, 28th for quarterbacks, 29th for running backs and receivers, and 26th for tight ends. <clears throat> but Renfro last year, um, again, maybe you don't see as many boom weeks. Maybe the touchdown count goes down. He did have nine last year. Maybe that goes down with, again, Waller back, hopefully for 17 games and Adams there. I don't know if you get nine touchdowns from Renfro, but for a PPR perspective, he's super safe. In my opinion, top 12 finish last year, 29%, 13th highest rate, uh, wide receiver two, 17%, 31st highest rate. It put him in the top 24, 47% at, a, at the 15th highest rate last year. Wide receiver three, 17% of his games busted outside of the top 36, 35% of the games. But I mentioned a majority of that coming in the early first half of the season before the target shares has shifted in his direction. I like both these receivers. I think they're both safe. I just went over how I think there's enough volume in this passing offense to support two top 20 fantasy receivers. Um, again, <clears throat> touchdowns. 
Do they go to Waller? Do they go to Adams? Do they go to Renfro? That's kind of the big thing. I, I mentioned Foster Moreau, that rat bastard, better stay out of the end zone because we need those touchdowns for these other three guys. Waller um, was a super bust last year. As a guy that had Waller, spent a third-round pick on Waller last year, um, he's kind of my main reason for the whole I'm not drafting an early tight end this year. He's not the first guy to bust on me in fantasy, but really just the recency bias of having my my entire season last year was kind of a struggle to make up for having that burnt high draft cost. If a tight end doesn't go for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns and you draft him in the second or third round, you're really just fucked. Um, he's going later this year, but it's still earlier than I want to take a tight end around that round four ADP, technically 47th off the board. Tight end five. Can he finish higher than the tight end five? Absolutely. Do I want to spend a fourth round pick on a tight end? Absolutely not. Um, being drafted last year as the tight end two, um, finished tight end 17 after only playing 11 games, was tight end seven in points per game. But that's still not what you want. He had that week one performance against the Ravens where I think, no shit, he had 18 targets and was just dominating. And I was like, all right, I have the fucking locked and loaded tight end one for fantasy this year. And then he just dropped off, nagging injuries all season. I mentioned only 11 games played. So clearly he wasn't fully healthy for those 11 games as he was trying to push through. I believe it was a foot lower body deal. Um but super disappointing last year, like I said, because even when Waller was playing, he was not dominating statistically at all. There would be a, there was a multiple-week stretch where I was getting fucking five points a game from my tight end that I drafted in the second round, and I just won't take that sort of exposure um, in terms of draft capital and in terms of sacrificing the valuable running backs and receivers you can get at that point in your draft. Again, kind of throw the consistency charts out the window last year because of the injury stuff, but he was only a top six tight end at the eighth highest frequency rate, and he was only a top 12 tight end at the 14th highest frequency rate last year. So those numbers are not good considering he's still being drafted top five at the position. He's got more competition for target share and touchdowns this year with, you know, again, I mean, if we go back 12 months, Waller was the clear-cut first passing option in this offense. He could be number three now. So I think he's super talented. He's a freak athlete. He's a total mismatch on the field. I'm not really loving the draft cost for fantasy, and that's kind of what this conversation is about. So, eh, I like the receivers on this team. I might be in on Josh Jacobs if he falls far enough, but that's kind of it for me in terms of fantasy. Again, I think this team will be very exciting to watch this year. Um, the main question mark for me is how the whole coaching transition goes. Is Josh McDaniels a guy, or is he just another Belichick disciple gone wrong? Um, but this division is so stacked that I can't really recommend many bets on this team. Um, the Chargers and Broncos will both be fun teams to break down. We will have those episodes coming to you this week. And then we will jump back into the NFC and uh, start with the division uh, and Super Bowl champ LA Rams. So this is SGR82. I appreciate you guys listening. Chargers are up next and ramble on.